Welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? What a way to start a um, Sunday morning, right? Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. You someplace warm? No, I'm in uh, Savannah, Georgia, where it was warm on Wednesday and Thursday, and now it's 50 and raining. I might as well be in Ireland. Well, uh, it's not too late. (laughs) okay thank you (laughs) it's uh i think it's 40 degrees here in scottsdale ah yeah but it's gonna be 75 in two hours so (laughs) yeah well you know at my age the blue sky is good enough you know the nurse comes around pushes me in the wheelchair around the garden yeah that sort of thing yeah um we had a uh quite a lot going on this week i i've you know, you notice first and foremost, Fish uh, has put up the first three nights of the uh, New Year's Eve run on uh, fish.com. Yes. So, um, and by the way, I got to give you credit. That cat song, that mm-hmm. went up a few notches. <laughs> I mean, the, the, yeah, the live version and the lights and yep. the lights. Um, mm-hmm. So good, good on you for that. Thank you. Um, Secondly, I don't know if you noticed this, but they're going to do a uh, April run in the West Coast. Yeah, it doesn't excite me. Well, it doesn't. It's no good to me. <laughs> really? Yeah. What are we in California? Oh, we're going to do what? Berkeley? Where the whole West Coast? That's fine for the West Coast people, but us, like, what? I don't have a friend with a plane or a friend with a hotel or anything. So, I'm... Uh, but you know, you might. You never know. <laughs> you never I know. I wouldn't rule anything out. Anything's okay. possible. Okay. Um, you know, the Los Angeles show was going to be my first choice until I found out they killed 10 people there last night. No. Um, I, I, did you hear this? I, no. I, no. I, I wake up, I wake up this morning. It's like five 30. My sister is with us. Uncle March just left. And she said, did you hear what happened in Los Angeles? I'm like, well, fish is playing there. She goes, no, they, they, they shot and killed 10 people. Ah. Uh, on, on, you know, it's just like, um, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't really know what to say. Yep. Um, I understand. You know, Anthony is on vacation. So mm-hmm. uh, I had to come up with my own, our own show this week because we couldn't just do <laughs> his information, right? He's someplace warm where I guess it's really warm, but I, you know. Mm-hmm. I, uh, along with Anthony and a number of people who wrote in, I apologize for not being proactive in replying. Um, one fellow wrote me a really nice note about a keto diet, which I'm going to explore. But Uncle Mark was in town, as is my sister. And that's like the lunar eclipse. Like the three <laughs> of us just never get together. So it was kind of fun. That's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had to chuckle. So Uncle Mark rolls into town. We're sitting on the couch in the living room. And he looks at me and he goes, uh, 
I have no recollection of that soup story whatsoever. <laughs> and 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 it, and then he goes on to say, but by the way, I have no doubt it's true. I just don't remember it. I said, oh, that's fair enough. You're four years younger than me. Yeah. He says, but I do remember when she picked up a knife and threw it across the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that I do not remember. Okay. But it is it is it's it's on brand. So, Understood. Um, yeah. Um so our audience uh seems to be shifting. Our numbers aren't changing much, but we're getting a different cohort. And I have um two of my uh friends are now regular listeners. I'm a little surprised, but I'm 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 uh, very pleased. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're down in Florida. Okay. Um, at the villages. Now, <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> well, well, I know they're not, but it's Florida. It's okay. all the villages, right? Yeah. So one of them sends me a note about how I'm murdering all of his jokes. <laughs> so now, There'll be no joke portion of today's broadcast. Just to, but just to tell you, the, the guy does have a sense of humor because years and years and years ago, instead of going out to restaurants, I'd have a bunch of guys over. Mm -hmm. I'd hire I hire somebody come in, cook a bunch of steaks, mm -hmm. do the steakhouse thing, mm -hmm. luger sauce, shrimp cocktail, cream spinach steaks. Uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is the Sanka guy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so um, so we're sitting there, and the first course is shrimp cocktail, and the chef waiter sets the shrimp down in front of him. My friend touches the shrimp, and he says, "Hey, these are cold." <laughs> Off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, so he's sitting down there at the not the villages, obviously, but with my other friend who I worked with at the French grain company. Now, I've known this guy a long time, brilliant trader, no question about it, but everyone's got their breaking point, right? Mm -hmm. And so we worked for this guy who I, I, I just, it was never going to work. It just, just, just never, never going to work. And for some reason, he went out and replaced the phone system. Now, trading phone systems are expensive. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they need the zero failure rate and they need to be robust because mm -hmm. traders aren't necessarily that delicate, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what possessed this guy. It's just an example of what an idiot is. He went out and bought a phone system that was perfectly designed for a doctor's office. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be hitting trying to jump between brokers, right? And the phone was not, it was like, phone would be like, hey, I'll get to it when I get to it. Right? <laughs> so, so it was a small group of guys, this boss who I thought was an idiot, this French guy who sat on the phone, talked French to somebody <laughs> all day long. And then uh, my buddy, and then this other American guy. And the other American guy was abrasive, mm -hmm. uh, surprisingly Jewish guy, abrasive Jewish guy. What a shock. Um, <laughs> sorry, stereotypical. I'm making fun of minorities again. I apologize. Anyway, um, <laughs> I forget how this whole thing went down. But between the good guy and the abrasive guy fighting over something mm -hmm. and the phone system, my friend takes the fucking handle of the phone and he whips it at yep. the abrasive guy. And the only thing keeping the phone from hitting the guy is the cord ran out of length, right? Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Henry, I saw your dad throw a phone at somebody. <laughs> of course, the two gals doing repo are aghast. They get up, they run out of the room in terror. I love this stuff, right? I think this is the fucking greatest. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, having smashed my share of phones, monitors, 
that sort of thing. I I have a wide berth for guys breaking uh, computer equipment. Okay. Um, but uh, back to Anthony not writing mm-hmm. this week. I, I did a lot of screen clipping of things that I thought that would be yes. able to get us through our, our show. Mm-hmm. And um, so here's a quote I read. Um, it is frequently a misfortune to have very brilliant men in charge of affairs. They expect too much of ordinary men. Um, fortunately, we don't have that problem now. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> That's a quote, and I'm probably going to mangle it, but it's, I think it's from a fellow named Thucydides. Does okay. that ring a bell? I know you're, you're better educated than I am, but uh, famous, famous thinker. Um, a lot going on in the news we could talk about. Uh, I was shocked, frankly, mortified to learn that Elizabeth Holmes had bought a one-way ticket to Mexico and was scheduled to leave January 26th. Shocking. Um, uh, yeah. The, the, the really shocking part to me is uh, I've ridden with world's greatest mountain biking coach, Jason Tullis, around the Mexican border any number of times. And I'm not going to bother to go look, but I've walked into Mexico. Mm-hmm. It's It was a barbed wire fence, one strand, four <laughs> feet, and then the second strand. You could just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Lizzie, Libby, whatever you go by, just run the <laughs> mountain bike, start, start pedaling. South. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when you hit cardboard, stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, the thing about the one-way ticket was uh, she's got kids and a husband. and Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't offer any insight into that. Maybe the kids were just crying at night and she'd had enough and she just needed a little vacation, you know? <laughs> maybe maybe a little postpartum depression. Could be, you know? Um the uh, apparently in other news, um, Nancy Pelosi was having an exorcism done at her house to get rid of. Did no. you see this? No, no, this it is was, real. <laughs> the, well, I believe it was in the paper of record, the New York Post, and it's real. <laughs> yeah, so the first thing that pops into my mind when I read this is. The priest walks in, he looks around, he says, oh, I can fix this in a hurry. Nancy, just get out. (laughs) (laughs) There, exorcism complete. Yeah. 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 uh, You know, a lot going on in the middle of nowhere. Um, (laughs) A couple of guys, three guys, tried to uh, uh, bum rush Friedman Keene, whatever that guy's name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, so, let me back up. You're not kidding about this Nancy Pelosi exorcism thing. I just Googled it. I, I'm a little insulted as a member of the fourth <laughs> estate. <laughs> Dude, the first article is from the post. Yeah. You think, what What do you think? I'm I'm not You're legit? kidding me. I, I don't yeah. know. Well, I know you read the National Enquirer and like world news of the world, but I... inquiring minds want to know. Jesus, yeah. over Thanksgiving, she had priests coming to have it exercised. You gotta be kidding me! This was the this was the third most powerful woman in the world. <laughs> the, the number there's the women tied for first are Amy and Cheryl. <laughs> no kidding! No kidding! Right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, former vice president, uh, Al Gore, he yep. was a couple of chads away from becoming president. Yep. My brother sent me this. He's at Davos, I, I guess, where yep. I was shocked. You know, if you want to see an inverse of what the U.S. economy is doing, look at the price of prostitutes in Davos. <laughs> it's skyrocketing. 2,000 of them flown in for the weekend. (laughs) Unbelievable. Anyway, um, Gore goes on and talks about how we're emitting, I think, let's just call it CO2 emissions. I don't know. 
mm-hmm. but the equivalent of 600,000 Hiroshima bombs, yes, bombs every day, every day. Okay, six hundred thousand. I, I don't know what to say. He talked about the boiling oceans. Now I looked. You can Google this too. To get water to boil at sea level, and as my daughter Kate will verify, at sea level you're at zero feet elevation. It yeah. needs to be at 212 degrees. <laughs> so when you go for a walk along the beach and you see any lobsters coming out pink, will you call me? Yep. <laughs> Al, Al, poor Al. <laughs> yeah. The, when, every, when every headline includes the word unhinged, <laughs> it's, it's not the news you want to make. <laughs> oh, you've seen this thing leaking out? Yeah. 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 How many of those guys, and by the way, Switzerland has an insane train system. Oh, yeah. Like, it's clean, it's on time, it goes where you want to go. Mm-hmm. How many of those guys took the train to Davos? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so, so let's go back to that uh, Thucydides concept about very brilliant men in charge. Okay. It's like it's like the underwriters of the Lost Ark. Who's working on it? <laughs> Top men. Top men. <laughs> so uh, our average listener probably tuned in to hear us talk about the market. Instead, it's two clowns on a Sunday morning reading the post. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, during the uh, there was a strike in Mayor. Uh, Fiorello LaGuardia. Mm-hmm, Did I get mm-hmm. the name right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He used to read the cartoons to the kids over the radio. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I don't know how you read a cartoon, but right. I, I, you know, at least he tried. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a number of people turned up at a uh, AOC. Uh, um, town hall meeting decided they were going to sing hymns until they were gingerly escorted from the arena got it what a (laughs) the whole fucking thing is nuts i i I don't know and then uh you know i told you my sister mentioned um about the the poor tragedy with the 10 deaths and she followed it up by telling me oh yeah they found more classified documents at biden's house I know. And my and my snarky reply was at least Biden can read. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> that's fair. I, I I don't. Right. I mean, maybe these people should get an iPad. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, paper documents. Who is storing paper documents? Uh, unbelievable. I, I I don't fucking get what's going on. So, um. Anyway, I did have the pleasure of uh, Uncle Mark being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left yesterday. He's already put in a request to return because apparently it's snowing in Chicago. And uh, Amy's here for a few days, which which I delight. We actually went to a delicious Italian place for dinner the other night. Um, the name rhymes with ty- with Tyrets. Okay. I can't. Uh, I can't. I, I can't remember the it name. <laughs> it was good. It, it's like. On Frank Lloyd Wright Boulevard or something. Oh, wow. um, okay. Really, really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, good I, service. I, you were happy. You were happy with it. I was delighted. They, you know, they've I've been there. Been there. I had the chicken parm. So what's weird is my uh, my keto numbers are going up the more carbohydrates I eat. So I, I don't quite. I mean, I'm not eating a ton of carbs. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, we proceed. Um, so I thought today uh, I could talk about uh, why not to give your money to hedge funds. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you care about that or not. but No, we, um, you've made that clear already. <laughs> so is part of what triggered this thing is Uncle Mark uh, texted me. He was upstairs and said, hey, there's this great Netflix 
thing on uh, that Canadian kid that faked his death and stole all the Bitcoin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It looks pretty good. You want to watch it. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So he's having a beer. I'm the designated driver. So, you know, I'm not drinking anything or anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, they start talking about this Canadian kid that, uh, you know, went to India, died of complications from Crohn disease. Now, being in India, I, I can see that happening. Right. right. Um, <laughs> Crohn disease, terrible disease. Wouldn't want to wish it on anybody. But I don't think there's a high death rate. But given the gastro interaction with Indian food, you, you're really taking your life into your hands. Uh, anyway, so this kid disappears with a couple hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Of course, no one has the keys. Right. You know, his wife, you know, distraught, doesn't know about his whereabouts. And and they go on through this whole uh, thing about, is he alive? Is he not alive? Uncle Mark had nailed this within, I don't know, an hour of him supposedly dying in India. He's like, no, that's not how it works. You can buy as many death certificates as you want in India. And um, even if I if I remember this correctly, I think they even had the his name spelled wrong on the death certificate. Nobody, nobody. Yeah. 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 Um, And, and they can't find, they bring the crypto expert in. they can't find any of the money. Right. right. They got this hot wallet. They got this cold wallet. Now they got this no wallet. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, So, you know, I look, they, they drill down. They got one guy as a computer pro programmer got tired of hearing about all his friends getting rich borrows money puts it into bitcoin i don't know whatever loses the money sticks it sells his house tries to transfer it out of bitcoin anyway down the hole it goes he's broke he's distraught and i'm looking at the thing and you know you want to feel bad for the guy and you know Stalin had a great quote. I mean, it's a malevolent one, but, you know, death of a person is a tragedy. Death of 50 million is a statistic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's this one guy here who you can tell he's just fucking basket case. But who takes all of their money and sends it to a crypto exchange? A lot of people, apparently. Apparently. so what's happened with the Fed tightening, as you know, now you can actually get four-ish percent in your money in a money market fund. You can get a four and a half in treasury bills or 470 in treasury bills. So you see, you see Warren Buffett saying that they were buying $5 billion worth of treasury bills every Monday? Over the course of, I forget what the time span was, but he's like, yeah, we've been the biggest buyer for a while now. Every Monday we would go in and buy $5 billion worth of T-bills or something like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I don't have 5 billion of them, but I, (laughs) I've been buying T-bills. I mean, they're the highest yielding thing on the list and you get, you get your money back. Amazing. (laughs) Even, even with the default nonsense, you'll, you'll you'll get your money back. But um, the reason I bring up the increase in rates, and, and by the way, I, offline, I got to find that Warren Buffett thing. I'd like to read that. Okay. Um, yep. uh, so you have this concept of the stable coin, which was supposed to be, okay. Well, now that's actually, I don't want to say a good business because I don't want to bless it, but they can actually take your money and earn a return and cover their expenses yep. and, earn, and earn a living. They don't have to propagate a fraud like Tether does every day. Um, so now you're going to get the uh, denizens of the crypto industry talking about how 
you know, this is what we've been waiting for. Yeah, you've been waiting for another reason to sucker people into putting money into your Ponzi scheme because not a lick of work has been done about regulating this stuff. Nothing. Nope. Um, nothing. So uh, everyone's all excited. It went from X to 21,000. <laughs> I know. It's so exciting. When 500? When 500? That's my question. <laughs> um, so let's talk about hedge funds for a minute. Okay. Now, we just saw an example of a man who took all his money and put it in one place. This choice was a bad one because it was a cryptocurrency place. But let's say he put it in a not as bad a place, a hedge fund. Okay. So imagine you have a young man, uh, maybe not so young anymore. Maybe he's my age. And in the year uh, 2013, he uh, decides he wants to stop working. He wants to farm out some money. And so he talks to several of his friends who are investors. Um, and one of them says, well, here's this guy who is... No one's heard of him. I've had money with him for years. He's been full for years, but he's supposed to be fantastic. And he's he's a little uh, eccentric. So even though he's closed, if he likes you, he'll take money from you. So he tells me the guy's name, and I write the guy a note, and. Dear so-and-so, Morris Sachs, professional investor, retired. I hear you're really good. I'm going to be in New York. Would love to stop by and introduce myself. I'm a friend of so-and-so's. Got a nice note back. Love to chat with you. So I go up in his office, him and one of his uh, portfolio managers, and we have like the nicest conversation for 90 minutes. And... uh on the way out, I said, oh, hey, uh, you mind if I invest some money with you? And he's like, sure. And I said, uh, what do you need? He's like, I don't, I don't care. Whatever, whatever you want to say, it's fine. And because a lot of these guys have minimums and stuff like that. And, and he hands me the packets. And I go through, before I send the money, I look at the returns. And the returns went all the way back to like 1980-something. And of course, the returns are spectacular, right? Okay, crushed it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you may recall, uh, I had oldest daughter working for me part-time. And um, so after a while, after five years, actually, I'm getting the feeling that this fund ain't banging out the returns I had naively expected to receive. So I gave her my investments when the money, meaning when the money went in. And that, and I, I'm going to be perfectly transparent here. Okay. Um, so on April 1 of 2013, I sent them $4 million. On Jan 1 of 15, I sent them a million. On July 1st of 15, I sent them a buck and a half. Okay. So now, not making a lot, not losing a lot. It seemed okay. So on March 31, I take out $3 million. On September 30th, I take out $3.4 million. And my final redemption of $3,261,501, I put a redemption for. And so I asked eldest daughter, take those dates and compare that to the S&P SPY. And so um, the return on the SPY net 
10.65%. The return on world's greatest hedge fund manager, 9.2%. Okay, so he underperformed by, you know, 100 and, mm-hmm. you know, 45 basis points. But, but wait, but wait, there's more. There's a word called side pocket. Um, you may not know exactly what that means, but I can tell by the look on your face, that's not a word you want to hear as a hedge fund investor, right? No, 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 no. So uh, today is January 22nd, the year of our Lord, 2023. They still owe me $991,000. So that redemption I put in, okay, uh, of the 3.26, you know, zero, 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 I didn't get all that back. I got that less the side pocket amount. So, uh, I don't know what fucking return I've got in this thing. Okay. And and by the way, I suspect every hedge fund in the world has a side pocket situation or gates or any numbers of things they they can do. Okay. So that's the first thing. Secondly, I'm sure there's somebody out there that can prove me wrong in a handful, maybe a handful of of examples. But there isn't a hedge fund manager alive that his investors have received the returns they claim they did. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because there's no standard for which you would present the money. Um, you know, they take these annual returns and they extrapolate them. They start with small amounts of money. There's survivorship bias, meaning if the guy blew up initially, well, you'll never see him. So obviously, the early returns are good. And then, um, as the returns get better, like uh, Kathy Wood, um, money flows into them and the returns tend to get, um, what's the word, diluted, right? Anybody who tells you they can trade, you know, X or 5X, it doesn't matter. You know, take it, take it from me. They you know, forget it. Yeah. Then life doesn't, life doesn't work. That way. You disqualify yourself when you say things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so you take all these things which, which work against you. So for instance, if you give hedge fund manager a million bucks, uh, he makes 250 and you give hedge fund manager B a million bucks and he loses 300 grand right? A gets paid. B gets his fees. Mm -hmm. And you have a loss that's limited to $3,000. Amazing. Okay. And so what I find kind of interesting is when you look at the guys who are billionaire this and billionaire that, they, for the most part, got to be billionaires off of fees and performance fees off of other people's money. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound bitter. I mean, I, I had very delighted with how my life has worked out. What frustrates me is that it's a little bit like the art market. Okay. That book Big Ed recommended I read, it's either called the $9 million or the $12 million shark. We've referenced this before, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that the genius Stevie Cohn, yep. I think, bought a $9 million shark. So it's a shark that's sitting in a formaldehyde case somewhere, right? I, I'm not sure exactly 
because I read this book a couple of years ago, but I think that shark kind of fell apart. So they went and got another shark and replaced it because, of course, it comes with a warranty, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just parts, not labor. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but the whole point is they, they jack the prices of these things up to sucker people in and everyone's got an interest in, in um, uh, keeping the prices high because the, the guys get commissions, yada, 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 yada. So, you know, that's why, that's one of these examples of why I'm not fond of brokers and, and 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 that sort of thing. So my favorite story about those funds is that is the Renaissance Fund. Um, oh yeah, I'll, go ahead. This Tell this me. is the best. Um, is that you know, I want to get it right, but it's like Renaissance's Medallion Fund. All right, so Renaissance runs a couple of funds. Um, ones that are open, ones that are closed. But the closed one, the Medallion Fund. I don't know if it's for. I think it's for it's available only to current and former partners had its best year, 76% in like 2020. Um, but then the, the fund that they run for the public is down. Okay. So yeah. the family for friends and family fund, killing it. General, killing it. general public. Ah, we, we had, a, we didn't have a great year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You better sit down. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. That's why when I look at this Bitcoin thing, and I know I'm perseverating, but there was some stuff that went on this week. And, uh, you know, I really start to understand how this thing has morphed. So you have people who are pushing the Bitcoin. Okay. And when I look at who they are, oh. um, I don't think any of them have had any real trading training in the way securities are cleared. The reason I say this, okay, so I have two places I trade. I've got the local guy, mm -hmm. and then I got the major investment bank. So no names, right? So the local guy, uh, you know, I've known for 30 years and stuff goes seamlessly because they know how it works. I know how it works. Bang, zoom. Okay. The big investment bank, they run these kids through these analyst training programs. So we're talking about we're talking about uh, treasury bills, right? So uh, I bought some treasury bills last week. And on Tuesday, they're going to auction uh, a year bill. At one point, they were affectionately known as the gerbil. <laughs> but that's another story for another time. Hey, got it. Um, <laughs> so I kind of wondered, before a treasury security is auctioned. They will announce it's going to be auctioned. Yep. So from, from that moment until that security is settled, it's referred to as the WI, means when issued. So I wanted to buy, want to buy some year bills. I'm trying to figure out when you know, when does the WI start trading? And so, you know, I call in and I ask, you know, when's the WI start trading? And and I got the, huh? <laughs> okay. Never mind. <laughs> ne 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 never mind. So then I try this other guy and I said, uh, look, I want to buy, I don't have the bills in front of me, but they're like, uh, I think a July treasury bill. So I said, I want to buy, you know, X million of the July six bill or what, what, whatever. I don't remember the date. Mm -hmm. And he comes back and he says, okay, you bought them. I said, uh, 
Okay, so what what price did I buy them at? Now, treasury bills are a different animal. Okay, they got a language all their own, kind of like the guys who ride the short ride on gimbals. Understood. Where yep. they don't where where they don't talk, it's a series of clicks and whistles. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. What you're about. <laughs> so he sends me back the dollar price of a treasury bill. There isn't a bit of information that has less information embedded in it. We're all now dumber having listened to that. <laughs> so I said, no, I, I said, is that, you know, I wanted to know the, the yield. So then he comes back later. And it's a nice kid. I'm, I'm just making fun of the system. He of course, just of course. happens to be the brunt of my... Yeah. So he comes back and he gives me um, not the yield. He gives me the discount. Okay. So <laughs> I'm sure all of you know, but just for the benefit of Liam, treasury bills mature at par, but they trade at a discount and there's no coupon. So the difference between the price you pay and what you get at par is your interest. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you ask for a treasury bill, you trade them on a discount, meaning how much do you subtract from par to get your yield, right? This is like back, you know, 40 years ago when I traded treasury bills, you got a book, you looked up how many days to maturity, you looked up the discount, and then you read across and it gave you the yield. And, and so the the poor guy comes back and he gives me the discount. And I said, you know, is that the discount or the yield? <laughs> okay, so now let's fast forward to Bitcoin. I, these kids can't understand how a treasury bill works. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, anyway. Uh, so you like the one years, huh? You like the one years? Well, so um, we can talk about the market a little bit. I, I haven't completely run out of time yet. Um, you know, I was looking at the yield curve uh, as one does. And I got to tell you, the shape of the yield curve with the, when issued April 27, 2023 treasury bill, discount 460 yield, 473, and that's bond equivalent yield. Uh, and the 30 year yielding a 365, that to me is unsustainable. And the reason the curve, as everybody knows, is so severely inverted is the Fed's tightening. They're going to tighten until they choke off inflation and they're going to slow the economy. And these are where yields are going to end up six months, nine months, a year down the road. Whether that happens or not, you know, if you yep. live long enough, you find out. I happen to be in the camp that uh, we're, we're in a recession and we're closer to the Lacey Hunt example where we're going to have a deflationary. Uh, recession. Now, I've said this time and time again, I, you know, I'm not an economist. I don't really get this stuff too terribly well, but I've been around long enough that a lot of it sticks. And I'm kind of focused on a couple of things. You had them pump all this money into the system by raising debt. And people borrowed a lot of money at low interest rates. Now, as the interest rates go up, some people aren't gonna be able to service the debt. So what are they gonna do? They're, they're gonna default or they're gonna liquidate assets, which depresses asset prices. So, you know, you can make it more sophisticated than that. You can say, you know, the amount of money times the velocity of money, MV equals PQ, 
that's traditional. Uh, money supply, I didn't check this week, but the nation's money supply, M2, I think, is declining. I'm thoroughly convinced that this uh, buildup of cash and consumer accounts is investment liquidation, um, which leads us to the mystery of the payroll numbers. Mm. And you might or may not be able to shed light on this thing, but I've noticed um, there's a whole host of goods and services, mostly services now, that I don't think necessarily show up in the payroll number. For instance, I have this magic box that was made by slaves in China. And if I want a cab, I enter a magic code and a cab comes and gets me. Mm -hmm. And they know, somehow they know where to take me. And I get out and I sometimes don't even speak to the person. Mm -hmm. No money ever changes hands, nope. right? Yep. I, some consider that a job, what that person just did, driving me from A to B. Does that show up in the uh, payroll numbers? I don't know, but one of our uh, one of our formerly potential platinum subscribers, uh, Peter McTeague, may know the answer to this. Whether it shows up in the payroll statistics, we, we've had unfortunately we've had to eliminate the platinum level because um, it was determined to be racist and exclusionary. Uh, so I apologize for that. Um, so there's the, the, the car driving service. Mm -hmm. And then this one, this one doesn't affect me much because I didn't do much of this on my own anyway. But you can go now, I don't know if you can do it on your magic box, but I see Cheryl, she has something similar, but it's much bigger. And she goes in there and occasionally she'll say, do you want some rye bread? Do you want some cheese? And I'll say, sure. And then nothing will happen. I, I thought she was like going to get me some rye bread and cheese, but, but no. And, and, and I was a bit confused, but I, I know she's busy. I didn't want to bother. I don't know. A couple hours later, the doorbell rings and I look and there's bags of groceries on our front door. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, I don't know how they got there. I imagine somehow somebody went and got them mm -hmm. that that. That in some countries is considered work too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and there was this thing, I didn't quite understand it. Maybe you do being a younger person. It's called the gig economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where people work kind of like sort of a little bit off the books. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. These are yeah. the people working like you, you go to Starbucks at like 1030 or two o'clock in the afternoon. And they're just hanging out in Starbucks looking at the computer. You know, that's work for a lot of people these days. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'll also in this aside, get right down to it. Looking at all of the purchasing managers, indices, the empire index, all these things that I like to look at, which are simple yeah really not adjusted that heavily they're pretty straightforward they're all bad okay it's like the patient's dead just doesn't know it already mm -hmm. payroll is a lagging indicator when you look at the revisions i think the revisions have generally been downward which is what i keep talking about you always look for the revisions and so i i think what happens is these short rates, uh, while you know they're low relative to the spot funds rate, I think that they'll be higher 
they'll be like at this level for a while and probably longer than they might normally be, which is why I like hanging out in this six month to one year area. But um, the economy cannot handle the level of uh, tightening that it's received. And um, similarly to Al Gore's 600,000 Hiroshima bombs going off, there's some number of treasury bonds rolling off through the quantitative tightening every week. And, you know, between that, we got at least 25 more basis points coming on February 1st. Personally, I think is, I, I think you and I've discussed for a while now, I think they're going to take a break after that. Okay. So the bulls, the guys who are bullish on the equity market, I think are feeling like, yeah, when, when they say pause, they're going to go. But uh, once again, having some uh, access to research from uh, the morgue, um, their belief is uh, we're going to have a recession. And they don't believe the recession is priced into the equity markets. Now, when the morgue doesn't like equities, I, you know, I don't, you know, these are guys like they're never bearish, right? They're perma bulls. They're never right. Exactly, exactly. You go to Gave Cal, fully paid up subscriber. Okay, uh, they were bullish forever now nishkit yeah uh even even that died in the wool bull uncle mark has said to me i'll admit that stocks aren't cheap so um yeah you better get the better get the cattle in the barn um, what about I, Mr. Harris? Did Mr. Harris have a, com a comment? You sent an email this week. You sent a, a really ominous email. Oh, um, yeah. You were you were privy to something special. Yeah. You were, on, you were on the email from Leslie to me where he said, and I quote, he felt a disturbance in the force. Yes, yes. And you may recall my reply, which was, so did I. And um, it's as if a million voices. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 This was on Wednesday. I don't have the time. I don't see the time, but I get, I get an email that says there's a, the subject is a, there's a disturbance in the force and then I'll skip the, the, the confidential stuff, but he said, not sure if it is the dreaded capital R rake not sure if it's the dreaded rake but they are coming for positions the bad trades will chase out the good trades more details to follow there two seconds go. later i felt it too be careful out there <laughs> you know starts like there. starts like whispers ends like thunder okay and then you have bankman Fried has a car drive into his parents home and the guy the guys are shouting, you won't be able to keep us out. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I guess we've given a forecast. Uh, rates more or less sort of stable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm back in the bearish equity camp. I, 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 to be fair, I, as I've said before, um, I, I want to own equities. I really do. I did. I did for a while. Then it worked out. It was like, this is great. <laughs> like going to school on scholarship. But uh, it's just, you know, buying guys just don't want to own stocks. Yeah. So, Why would you when you can go in that two year and you have your, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about the bills? I, I tell you what, a four. I'm looking at like the July 23 when issued. It's a. It's a 485. When's the last time you got 485 on riskless 
Yeah, how could you make a case for buying equities over that? Like, like convince me. Convince. What? what well, if you thought that you'll get capital gains, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. And and look, hands down, twenty-year time horizon. Fine. You got it. You got to have some exposure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. Uh, slightly off target. Um, I saw something. I think I cribbed it from uh, Kevin Muir. Mm -hmm. uh, he puts out like the newsletter and then he puts like out a daily Twitter feed and he finally wised up that the smart money doesn't read Twitter. So to his subscribers, he puts out the little bits and pieces and he was talking about George Soros. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we were talking about behavior and trading and I don't, I'm going to ask to indulge me with a little latitude on the facts here. Okay. But Kevin clipped, I think it was a quote by Stanley Druckenmiller talking about how on, in October of 87, Soros blew out his long equity position. It pretty much the low. And, and I was there, I saw it, the whole thing. This was open. That was, by the way, one of the times Goldman Sachs went bankrupt and they got let out of the trap. Um, nobody talked. Oh, yeah. You know, you didn't know about that? Yeah. Please go. What, what year? What, please, please, please. 1987. Um, so keeping in mind, if I get this wrong, my defense is going to be early onset dementia. They were the underwriter. They were the under, they were underwriting a massive public offering of British Telecom. And now, as an underwriter, when you agree to buy the stock and then sell it to in the secondary market or to you know investors, once you set the price, you're on the hook. And by the way, that's generally you know a price they know that is going to clear. Yep, yep. Right? They're not especially Goldman, they're not paying you something, a 12 for something that's worth eight. They're, it's the other way around. You yeah. know, they'll tell you, well, we're going to price it at eight. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get out of it. Then it opens at 20. And they get this little thing, you probably don't even know about this, called the green shoe, which you can go ahead and look at. That's just another way these guys, you know. Um, so anyway, staying on track, they go and they underwrite this British telecom thing and the stock market crashes. So now before they've had a chance to sell a share, they're underwater enough that they were out of business. Wow. And I would love if someone who listens remembers this or can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, but they got let out of the trap because they were Goldman. Um, uh, the other time was, I told you when we tried to unwind a swap and they wouldn't take their name, but you know, no one cares about that. Um, I'm completely lost. What we were talking about underwriting mm -hmm, stocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Soros, you're talking about Kevin Muir's thing about. Okay. Soros. Okay. So, so Soros blows out at the bottom. And there is a cute, cute story. If I remember, apparently he had like 200 contracts. And the guy who executed it did him with another broker and they fucked it up. And they both thought that they uh, sold, but one of them actually bought. And when the next day they realized they were actually long 200 contracts and it gapped higher. It, okay. That's another story altogether. Okay. But sorry, it's taken me so long to get to the point. Truck Mueller was talking about how Soros didn't care about how he looked. He knew if he took his loss, okay, 
he would stay in the game and his skills would get him back to where he was. Okay. So a couple of things. One is to me, like him or hate him, that's one of my things, right? What do I keep saying? You just got to stay alive, right? You just, just, you just got to stay in the game, right? But I went through this whole spiel about my personal life and how it morphed into my trading. Again, latitude, please. But Soros is or was Jewish. But during the Holocaust, he was taken in by a non-Jewish family and recreated his identity. And he ended up as like a 10 or 12 year old kid when the Jews were being brought into the concentration camps, they thought they were being relocated. Well, they were, but it was to another dimension. Mm -hmm. um, they would take their belongings and they'd separate them. They'd, you know, the suitcases go here, the shoes, and you can go to many of these memorials and it's quite a moving experience, right? But I believe Soros' job is a 10 or 12 year old kid was to help separate. Okay. Now, you know, I completely absolve the guy of any moral, you know, yeah. whatever, because he's 10 or 12 and, you know, he doesn't know he's fighting for his life. Right. The fact that, you know, that he had nothing to do with this. Right. Mm -hmm. But here's a kid, 10 or 12, looking at death every day, right? And so when the stock market goes in the shitter, he don't care. I mean, does he care? Sure he cares. Is, it gonna, is he going to let it kill him? No. And, you know, you got to be very delicate how you tell these stories, right? Because there's a lot of things I've said, and there's a lot of intonation in my voice, and there's a lot of response from you. And, you know, we always try and treat these things with the utmost respect. I can make the fun of coconuts who are out there being coconuts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the real people that suffer, I mean, that's, that's not a joke. And, and, but you look at a man who went through what he did, and it clearly impacted his life. Now, is everything he do good or bad? I don't, I don't, I'll leave that to you to decide. Not for me to decide, but I, I just find it an interesting life lesson about, you know. Yeah. It, you know, got to stay in the game. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just amazing. Um, yeah, I want to thank Kevin. Kevin sent me a nice email this week. I haven't answered him. He was asking about my new son. Uh, but yeah, Kevin put that up about Soros. And he said something about Soros being able to pull the trigger. I think Stanley Druckenmiller said something about yeah. like Soros Soros could pull the trigger. Some guys can't pull the trigger. He had no problem with pulling yeah. the trigger. Um, so yeah, so well, it was a, we had a nice run of optimism on your end. Um, it's nice to be back to the gloom and doom hour. Um, sure. Well, it's always it's always nice to end an episode talking about the Holocaust. Um, <laughs> yeah, no wonder we're stuck at three thousand listeners. <laughs> I was going to make a broadly stereotypical comment that I'll refrain from. I was like, you know, maybe that shaped you into such great traders. You know, like there's so much hardship, and to be able to survive that, you can deal with anything, dude. There's got to be a, a grain of truth to that. That the 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 last hundred years being a European Jew has been hell. Okay, so. Yeah. Going through yeah. that, like it makes anything else easier, you know, if you if you can get through, if you can survive that, if you can survive the perpetual persecution of your people, you know, knuckling around dealing day trade and treasure, yeah. bills, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you learn quickly the dis difference between discount and yield because yeah. somebody always tries to, you know, the last the last thing I'll tell you is. When I started trading. They start you at the at the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah. So I get I'm 23, maybe, 
and and that the Continental Bank didn't know Joe John Corzine. Apparently, he worked there. Um, they sent me to trade short agencies, and um, which is the right place to start. But agencies have a different day count, so like they're thirty over three sixty, but not every month has thirty days. So guys would come in a few days early asking for weird settlements, hoping I'd fuck up, mm-hmm. right? I the the yeah. day count and, and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, Bitcoin, that's where you go for safety, store value. Inflation head, don't forget. <laughs> okay. It's great seeing you, buddy. All right, pal. It's been fun. I'll see you next week. Okay. Have a good one. All Cheers. Right.